Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Trust you enjoyed that little New Order-esque piece of music for the last time. Um, we're drawing our Living Centred series to a close. For some of us, some of us will be disappointed about that. Some of us will know that we've been in the series. Some of us get back from wherever over the summer might not even clock that we've been in the Living Centred series. Uh, but we are, and we are closing today. Um, and I have a, a message of trying to encourage us to stay living-centred, living around, obviously, God in our lives as much as possible. So there's, more, there's a kind of a sense of exhortation this morning to us to keep going God's way. That's the heart of the message that I believe God has put on my heart for this morning. But even as we were worshipping, I felt God say something to me, which is a touch uh, scary for me, which is, I want you to go, I want you to start at the end and end at what you, start, you had prepared to start with. I want you to start at the end... Well, that's got a few people are with me, so that's cool. So I'm going to talk backwards, yes, as someone said. The reason for that is that we were, there's two reasons. One is we were praying as a, as a team before the meeting this morning, and somebody uh, in that group, a woman, shared what we would call a prophetic word, a word from God to us at that moment for the church this morning, which is that she could see some people in the corners of the room not necessarily, obviously, literally, but obviously theoretically or, or from a sort of visionary point of view, people in the corner of the room with their head in their hands like that, as if there were storms in life crashing down in on them. And what that lady didn't know is that my final slide was exactly that this morning. And then in our worship time, God, through Josh, brought that sense of wanting to bring peace to those of us that have got storms in life. He's wanting to put that into us really strongly. That's God's heart for us this morning. So I thought as I was, was worshipping and I was listening to God, I thought God say to me, you need to start with that. You need to start with where I've brought us to as a church and then if you can, work backwards. And I said, thank you very much, Lord. I'll do my best. <laughs> so we're going to read from the Bible in order to give me a, a moment to see how this is going to work out. And we're going to read from the Bible the bit that I think relates to how we cope with the storms in life. And it's the story of the, the, the wise man and the foolish man that Jesus crescendos the whole of his series on the Sermon of the Mount about. That story, that famous story that I'm sure many of us will know. So we're going to read that story. Uh, and then, as we'll see, we're going to go backwards from there to see how Jesus is in a really punchy, edgy, and I think controversial way saying, look, that's how you need to li lead your lives. But hey, it's not necessarily easy. And he gives us some options to choose as we go through life to see whether we're going to go his way or not. 
And the reason that we need his help, his peace, his encouragement, his support, is because we'll see it, the easy way is not necessarily the way that everybody chooses, but he wants us to choose that way. So that's where we're going to go. So if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 7. If you haven't, it'll pop up behind me on the screen. I've already apologised to Julia, who's doing the words this morning, because I did have a PowerPoint that ran in a certain flow, and of course now she's going to try and follow where I'm going in the whole thing. So Matthew 7, and we're just going to start with uh, 24 to 29, which is the Jesus speaking this story. He says this, and remember, he's just done this magnificent teach called the Sermon on the Mount about how to live your lives, living life centred on Jesus. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, well, he's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And Jesus is basically saying to us this morning what we're building our lives on. Who are we building our lives on? Who are we landing on in life? Because the world has a lot to offer in life, and I'm sure all of us are attracted to many parts thereof. But Jesus said, unless you build your life on me, unless you land your life on me, life could become a little bit troublesome for you. Because at the end of the day, storms are going to come for everybody. Whether you're someone who says you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're someone who says you're not a follower of Jesus, storms are going to come in your life. Storm come, storms came in this story to both the wise man and the foolish man. The same storms. The storms that had raging rivers, raging winds. The storms that had their house, houses getting battered. Same storms. Just because you're a believer in Jesus, if you are, doesn't mean you're not getting a storm in your life. If you're an unbeliever, someone that doesn't follow God, doesn't believe in God, you're going to get storms in your life. Jesus says you will. And what makes the difference in life is what your foundation stone is, what the cornerstone is, as we sang about this morning and as Dave prayed when he prayed out that prayer. Who is our rock? Who are we landing on? What's our foundation? And if we're going to receive the peace of God in order to help us through our storms in life, if we're going to receive that peace, we have to know who that foundation stone is. We have to know who Jesus is. And the danger of this message today, as we'll see, is that I'm going to exhort us to go Jesus' way because that's what he himself exhorts us to do. But if we don't know who he is in the first place, we're stuck. And more and more as I preach, I find that I want to keep presenting the goodness of Jesus to people before we get into any teaching or theology or illustration or anything like that. Because Jesus is a man who loves people. He loves you. He's really for you. Jesus is one who forgives, who is merciful, who can help you in your hour of need and trouble, who will encourage you when you're feeling a bit low. He does bring security in life. He is someone who's real, who is alive, and can totally walk every step of the way that you have in your journey of life. And when you're down and when the storms are hitting you, you may say, God, I need peace. Jesus says, well, I'm the Prince of Peace. Have some peace. And all of a sudden, everything changes to coin an old Oasis expression, of which we have many, as you'll find, as you come back week on week. So I wanted to start with that. The foundation stone is Jesus. The cornerstone is Jesus. He really is worth knowing. 
And if you don't know Jesus this morning, I'd encourage you to find out more, if God then what or Alpha. And if you do know Jesus this morning and you're struggling, I, my heart is to, get, is to provoke you to turn back towards him because that's what he does in this message. He provokes us to say which journey we're going down, our own way or God's way. And God's way is by far the better way because he's with us every step of the way. So that's the end of the preach in terms of where I was ending earlier. But God did say, do the rest as well. You'll be pleased to hear. So let's get back to the passage, the little bit before and the little bit at the end, and just uh, weigh on that, and then we'll see how we're going to step, uh, step us through the rest of the message. So now we're on to uh, Matthew seven thirteen and 14, and then just the final summary of the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew seven thirteen and 14, and this is Jesus speaking as he's wrapping up all this wonderful teaching. He says this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And when Jesus had finished saying all these things, including that little finale of the wise and foolish builder, when Jesus had finished all these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Man, that was good. Never heard anything like it in my life. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law that just pummeled religiosity at them the whole time. They heard Jesus say some stuff that changed their world. And they thought, man, I want to live that way. And as we come to the Sermon on the Mount, as we wrap up our series, Living Centred, that's what I want us to do as well. Come to, come to it and say, man, that's good. I'm going that way. I'm going to imbibe it, if you like, and go the way that Jesus wants us to go. So how are we going to do it? We're going to look, we're going to hang around on those verses, verses 13 and 14, and we're going to see how Jesus gives us a choice in terms of how we want to live. The whole Living Centred series that we've had in Oasis Church over the summer months have been around us continuing on a journey with what God has been saying to us as a church right from the beginning of the year. And that's what he's saying is three simple words. Pause, centre, and continue. Pause, centre, and continue. Pause means what? It means stop for a moment or two in the business of life that we all have and just take a moment to remember that there is a God in heaven and that he loves us. Pause. Second is to enjoy that moment of engaging with God and saying, yeah, you are good, you are loving, you are merciful, you are kind, you are with me in this moment. I'm enjoying that God. And then to continue on in whatever God has got for us in that moment, in that day, in that week, month or year, whatever it is, to carry on in the knowledge that God is with us in that moment. We're trying as a church to say, look, don't just rush, 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 rush. Pause. Center on God and then continue in your relationship with God and in being a light shining for people around the communities in which you're in. So the whole Living Centred series has been centred around what does it mean to live a life like that. And we've had loads of stuff. We've had things like being salt and light in the communities that we're in, standing out, God's colours, God's flavours. We've had learning what it is to forgive people, not very popular in our culture today. Far better to slap them, not forgive them. We've had learning what it is to be, behave with honour in our relationships and having the right attitude towards sex in a culture where kind of sex reigns, as it were. We've had demonstrating what it means to be men and women with integrity. So saying, saying one thing and doing one thing is hypocrisy, but saying one thing and doing what we say is another. Being generous in the giving of our time and money. Modelling how it is to pursue being devoted to God and being expectant of God being our Father in heaven and giving us good things. We've had all of that 
across the weeks. And if you want the how-tos of Christian living, then I'd encourage you, get on the web and start listening to them because it's life-changing. People have found it life-changing during this series. But all of that comes to nothing unless Jesus is the foundation stone, unless he's the landing strip for everything. Otherwise, it's just moralistic living. It's just good living. Did I say something that's wrong? Oh, all right. Now, I thought that was quite good as well. Yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten I did it. There you go. I'm not interested in the slide. I'm glad you enjoyed that, everybody. Do you want to see that again? You'll see it at the end, perhaps. Will you? So we're landing on Jesus this morning. That's the heart. As we, as we bring this series to a close, we're landing on Jesus as the rock. That's what I want us to do, land on Jesus the rock. And as I've been thinking about landing, a whole load of airport imagery has come to mind because that's what generally is the place where we most land, is in an aeroplane on an, on an airstrip. And isn't it true to say, and I think that it is, that when we land in an aeroplane on an airstrip, when we come down on that airstrip, what are we hoping for? We're hoping for a very long, very strong, very solid, very secure, very safe landing strip that is definitely going to take the plane when it lands. Because if it doesn't, boy, we're in trouble. That's what all of us expect when we fly. And it's the same for us with Jesus landing on the rock. Solid, safe, strong, secure, totally able to take our weight. Otherwise, moralistic living and it all go to pot and what? It's sandpit time. I mean, who, when we're landing a plane, expects the plane, as it comes down to land, to suddenly see the airstrip implode into a pool of water or a pile of rubble? We don't do it. We expect it to have solid foundations so it takes the weight. And so Jesus is our solid foundation. But as he comes to this final piece of teaching, he says, look, you know that I am, but I'm going to give you some difficult choices in your life to see whether you want to follow me or not. And you won't be able to do them unless I am your foundation. So what are the difficult choices that he gives us? It's all around those verses of the narrow way and the, 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 the gate and the, the crowd and all the rest of it. I've got five options Five landing lights, if you will, that I'm calling them today. Landing lights that I believe God wants to give us as pointers to how to live lives that are centered on Jesus, as a summary, as a final hurrah to this series. And those five landing lights are these. The easy way or the hard way, the wide gate or the narrow gate, the big crowd or the small crowd, the fun destination or the grim destination, and the solid foundation or the flimsy foundation. Those are five Landing lights, five choices for living that God brings us today and he wants to provoke us to lead a life that's centred on him in them. So let's take the first one. Easy way or the hard way, don't worry, they're not all massively long uh, and all of them have got some, I think, some engaging illustrations to keep you with me as we go. I hope. So we'll find out, will we? So the first one, hard way or easy way. Here's some pictures that will flick through of Hong Kong Airport that was closed on the 5th of July, 1998. It's Thai Kak Airport, and it was closed in 1990. Uh, Kai Tak, or even worse, uh, I said it wrong, but it's, it's a bit of a tacky airport apparently. <laughs> this airport closed in 1998. The reason it was closed, as you'll see from the pictures, it was pretty dodgy landing an aeroplane there. Now, this is one of the very, very few airports in the world. Some great pictures, aren't they? This is one of very few airports in the world that I have actually flown into in my life. Because in 1993, I was a guest of the Birmingham Royal Ballet on their foreign tour to Hong Kong and, and Bangkok. Don't worry, I wasn't a dancing guest or anything like that. My, my wife used to be a professional ballet dancer. They were on tour. We'd just literally been married for a couple of years. He said, why don't we go on long haul and see if I can go along for the ride? So I did. And I remember even in those days thinking, that airport's got a dodgy reputation. How are we ever going to get down safe? 
because there is a kind of a, a really dodgy right-hand bender that you used to have to take before you could get in line with the, the airstrip. There were all those nasty high-rises that you thought you were going to smash into. And the runway was so small that you thought that was going to happen to most aeroplanes. And you can see it did to some. See, it was a scary old thing. It was difficult coming in to land at that airport in those days. And so they stopped, they stopped using the airport, and now they've got another one which is much easier to get into. Jesus offers us, two, offers us two ways of living, a hard way or an easy way. A hard way or an easy way. And in life, sometimes easy is better than hard, and sometimes hard is better than easy. So when I'm doing DIY, for example, I mean, I'm rubbish at DIY, even putting a raw plug in the wall, everything goes completely wrong. And it can be the most difficult thing in the world that I do, and it's, it's rubbish. And then a friend will come along, like Rich over here, who's great at that kind of stuff, and he'll make it really easy for me. If I'm painting a window frame, it's much better... <laughs> what are you laughing at? It's a, rare, it's a rare act. It's much better, isn't it, to strip it all down right to the wood, make sure the wood's all dry, put an undercoat on, put another coat on, put another coat on, and then probably varnish off with some posh stuff that you know, only builders have. That's the hard way of doing it, or it's the easy way of doing it, which is just, there's the window frame, let's just slap some paint on and hope for the best. In life... There's easy ways and hard ways. And Jesus, in this verse, is basically saying there's an easy way of living and there's a hard way of living. There's the road to life, which is broad, wide, spacious, and roomy, which is easy. Or there's the narrow road, which is tricky, demanding, and unpopular. And he wants us to decide which road to travel on. The one where it's go with the flow, or the one where there's a little bit more, we'll do it his way. You're going down the anything goes route where there's no real effort involved, or you're going to go down the narrow path where there's a little bit more effort involved to make things work. Jesus is basically saying, don't go down the wide road. Don't go down the wide road. Don't go down the easy route. Go down the difficult route. Go down the route with him, the route that's countercultural, the route that actually brings you into a wonderful relationship with God and makes you see that everything actually is right in Jesus' view. He doesn't offer a third way. He basically says, easy way, or hard way. No middle ground, no middle road, no easy way. So that's the first thing that he says, easy way or hard way. Second is the wide gate or the narrow gate. The wide gate or the narrow gate. When we go to an airport, I don't know which is the most stressful moment to you in life when you go to an airport, but for me, it's getting your baggage weighed. Because you, you fill your suitcase with as much as you possibly can. You stick it on the bathroom scales, don't you? You try to kind of see what the dial is saying and hoping whether it's over 20 kgs or whatever. Then you get one of those springy way things. And you sort of try and hold your suitcase up with one of those and realize that you can't hold it. You just, your arm just falls down. And then you think, oh, I hope it's all right. And you go to the airport and you slap it on the checkout counter thing. And at that moment, you see, I mean, it's, they're not little red numbers in this particular case, but you see the numbers beginning to click through. And, you, and all of a sudden, as you do, the adrenaline starts to rise, doesn't it? Oh, under, over, under, over, under, over. And, you and you're watching the, 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 the attendant who's serving you, and, and up to this point, they've been really nice and friendly and kind, but you know they're going to tell in, in a, sort of a demon if you get over. And you're going to think, what's going to happen? I'm going to be slapped with a fine you know, that I simply can't afford, or I'm going to have to take all my underwear and give it to some, you know, some <laughs> passerby? Or, or is it that security guard over there who's looking to increase his iPad collection, or whatever it is? The adrenaline begins to rise. But we want to take as much baggage as we possibly can with us through on our journey. But the truth of the matter is, baggage equals pressure. Baggage equals pressure. Jesus talks here about the wide gate 
or the narrow gate. And the wide gate is a gate that you can say, look, everybody can go through the wide gate. What's the wide gate? The wide gate of living is it doesn't matter. Do what you do. Do what you do. Be angry. Be unforgiving. Sleep around. Get drunk. That's the wide gate. Do what you want. Take as much baggage as you want to in life and go with the flow. Or take the narrow gate. The narrow gate which he actually says is the one to go through. He says, enter through the narrow gate. And the trouble with the narrow gate is it's, it's, it's small. It's difficult to spot. And you've got to lay your baggage down to go through it. We were in, on holiday in Rome uh, during the summer. It was a nice holiday for us. And uh, Perugia, actually. And we went to the town called Perugia. And it's this kind of old medieval town, really tiny streets, labyrinth-type type streets. We, we got into the town reasonably easy. We had a meal out, watched the sunset go down, realized we needed to try and drive out of the town as well. And driving out of the town in the dark when you hadn't got a map, when it was like a labyrinth, and it's really narrow, well, it was a challenge, I tell you. And eventually, we did make it out, and we actually thanked God when we did. It was one of those Christian moments where you thank God, oh, look, there's the way out. But it was this tiny, 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 narrow little gateway, it's kind of with, a, with a, an overhang over the top. And as we went through, I nearly took both the wing mirrors off our vehicle as we drove through. It was a trick. It was narrow. In order to get through the narrow gate, which is Jesus, and he himself in John 10 verse 9 says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So he's presenting himself at the gate. He basically says, you've got to lay your baggage down. You've got to lay your baggage down. You've got to lay down the fact that you're not very good at forgiving people. You've got to lay down the fact that you like getting drunk with your mates. You've got to lay down the fact that you've got a quick temper and you're always getting angry and having a go at people. Lay it down. And lay it down at the feet of Jesus. He takes it, and then you can go through the gate. Is it wide, or is it narrow for you? Jesus says, look, it's a landing light. A landing light, landing on him, go the narrow way, because he can take it. That's the second one. Third, the small crowd or the big crowd? Or the big crowd or the small crowd? Again, what does Jesus say here? It's another choice. He says, many enter through the big, wide, fat gate that we've just talked about, whereas only a few find the narrow gate where Jesus takes our baggage and ushers us through. Big crowd or small crowd? Let's take us back to the airport, shall we? And Rome Airport, again, for us on holiday. You're going to have a few uh, airport and holiday illustrations this morning. So we're queuing to go home at the end of our two-week holiday. We're at the departure gate, and uh, it's been announced that our flight's about to leave. It's slightly an hour or so overdue, so everybody's getting a little bit twitchy. And this large crowd begins to blob by the departure gate and conglomerate in a this-is-the-way-out kind of way. And they start to move reasonably well. On the flip side, there's a few of us in a kind of a smaller line, thinner line, sort of looking over to the large crowd that seemed to be in the right place. Because we thought we'd heard someone over here at Tannoy say, no, you need to be in this queue to get out of the departure date. Uh, date, sorry, gate, I should say. So we're looking over, and there's the big crowd over there. Look like they've got it sussed. Look like they're moving. Look like they're in the right place. And there's us in our small little queue, not really moving at all, thinking we're in the right place, but we're actually wondering whether we are or not. And worse than that, the big crowd people are looking at us thinking, who, who do you lot think you are? And we start to get nervous and think, well, perhaps we are in the wrong queue and we need to be over there. And even if we do start moving, they probably think they're better than us and all the rest of it. There's safety in numbers, isn't there? There's safety being in the big crowd. It's always nice to be in the crowd that you think is the right crowd, the in crowd, rather than being the small, tiny, little, narrow, out crowd on the other side. Jesus is saying here, look, there's two crowds in play. There's the big crowd and the small crowd. And he's basically saying, look, following me, and you need to hear this, starts off as small crowd mentality. Small crowd. Not many people go the narrow way. Not many people go through the narrow gate. 
People look at the big crowd, the way of the world, and think, that's the way to go. I'm going that way. But Jesus said, no, no, no. You need to go this way. Narrow gate, narrow road, small crowd. That's the way to success and peace and joy in life. Now, I said you need to hear it because in Revelation 7, verse 9, as you may know, John's vision of heaven at the end of all time, there is, quote, a great multitude that no one can count. That is everybody that has found Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it isn't a small crowd. It's a humongous crowd. So don't think small means small forever. Small doesn't mean small forever. But in terms of making a decision for Jesus or not, think about which crowd you want to be in. Do you want to be in the go with the flow crowd or do you want to be in the I stand for Jesus crowd? And that's particularly important, particularly for a sort of gazing look at new students or students that come back from the summer. For you guys over here, as you start your new term, that's a decision for you to make. Are you going to go with the crowd, go with the flow, go with what university life tells you you should go with, or are you going to go with Jesus? Put your foot down and say, no, I'm going to go Jesus' way this term in the years ahead. Big crowd or small crowd? Interesting enough, I'll say it again, there's no undecided crowd in the middle. Jesus doesn't say there's a middle way crowd. He says there's either a crowd with him or it's a crowd without him. Fourth, what I'm calling the fun destination or the grim destination. And this is, this is a moment that on the one hand I'm calling no-brainer and on the other hand I'm describing as possibly taboo and trouble. And I'm going to explain it like this. It, this is the no-brainer element. If we have a choice between going to Hong Kong, where I went all those years ago, or to Siberia, where are we going to choose? Don't be clever and say Siberia. We'll all choose Hong Kong. <laughs> if we have a choice between visiting New Zealand or the Isle of Wight, and sorry if anybody here is from the Isle of Wight, <laughs> probably all of us will choose New Zealand. If we have a choice between going on safari in Kenya or a little trip to Thai Cross Zoo up the road, <laughs> where are we going to go? We're going to go on safari in Kenya. We just love the idea of exploring the magnificence, the beauty, and the excitement of the planet in which we live. Most of the time it is just exploring the idea because we and it can't get to any of those places. But that's true, isn't it? That's no-brainer stuff. At the same time, the opportunity of going to a disease-risen country or a war-ravaged nation or a terror-stricken city is not something that we'd be quick to jump at. We would actually say, there is no way I'm going to Syria at the moment. There's no way I'm going to Afghanistan at the moment. It's way too scary. It's way too dangerous. That's trouble. There's no way I'm going there. So there's the no-brainer element that we have in life. And Jesus, when he starts talking about our final destination based around which way we're going to choose to live life, doesn't cut any corners. He shoves it straight into his listeners' faces. And what does he say? Just those verses again. Enter through the narrow gate, as we've heard, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He's basically saying, which destination do you really want? Do you want a destination which has life at the end of it, or do you want a destination which has destruction at the end of it? Life or destruction? Kenya or Twycross Zoo, and I can't even really say it. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he was saying to his listeners on the day. And for some of us here at this point, we might be thinking, Gus, I'm quite weirdly excited now because we're just about to get into the theology of death and hell and Hades and all the rest of it and, and preach it as much as you've got because we never hear about any of that kind of stuff. So let's hear what you've got to say. Some of you be thinking that. And some of you be thinking, uh, don't go there. Just don't go there, Gus, because it's way too controversial. 
It's unpalatable. Any suggestion of death, destruction, hell, Hades, all the rest of it just turns people off to Jesus. So which one are you, I wonder? And what do you want me to do? Rhetorical question. He said very, very quickly. Some of you want to preach it. I'm going to be wise this morning. And quote John Stott, who is a very learned theologian of much greater wisdom than I. And he says this. It's, it's cutting. It's good. He says, the broad road is a suicide road. The terrible word destruction seems at least to give us the liberty to say that everything good will be destroyed in hell. Love and loveliness, beauty and truth, joy, peace and hope, and that forever. It's a prospect too awful to contemplate without tears. Without tears. And that's what Jesus wanted everybody to know when he was speaking about this. Because life without Jesus brings tears to your eyes. Life without Jesus brought tears to Jesus' eyes. Because what happened when he looked on Jerusalem and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and he was moved with compassion for them? What did he do? He didn't think, <laughs> look at them. They're messing up, aren't they? What a load of muppets. Do you know what? Destruction for Jerusalem. God dear me. He didn't do that. He wept. He wept for them. So when Jesus brings life into our thinking or destruction into our thinking, he doesn't do it lightly. He's not doing it flippantly. He's not doing it to scare us into decision making. But he is saying there is no third way. There is no middle ground where you can have a nice destination without Jesus part of it. He's basically saying destination Jesus, life, or destination without Jesus, destruction. And which one is it for you? Would be wise not to ignore that. All of which leads us to where we started, which is the solid foundation versus the flimsy foundation. I was on the phone earlier in the week, which is kind of where some of this thinking came from for this message this morning. I was on the phone to somebody who randomly called me. I was in the office when our administrator wasn't in the office, took the phone call, and it was someone from Wales. They were representing a drama company, and they wanted to see whether Oasis Church would be interesting in meeting up in order to see whether they could help us with some drama at various events that we might want to do throughout the year. Nothing wrong with that at all. Happy to receive you know, cold phone calls about extending the kingdom of God. But as they were chatting to me, I, I started mentioning to them a couple of friends of, of ours, used to be in Oasis Church two or three years ago, a couple called Matt and Beth and Summers. And uh, Matt and Beth and Summers were both in the acting world. Uh, Beth had done a, a, a drama degree at the University of Birmingham. And Matt was a, a, an actor for a Christian company called Salt Mine. And uh, two or three years ago, they partnered with us to put on a production of uh, Prodigal Son over at the Mac that we attended as a church in a really great event. So Matt was a, a really strong actor, 30 years old. Uh, they just got married. Wonderful. But at that landmark, at that point, uh, Matt and Bethany had decided that there was going to be a massive career change for Matt. He'd always wanted to become an airline pilot. And uh, strange as it may be, he decided at the age of 30 that he was going to chuck in the acting and retrain to become a pilot. Now, I think that's incredible. I, think I really commended him and them for their willingness to take a massive risk and see if God was in it or not. The good news is that he is now an airline pilot today. He, uh, there he is in the... Uh, in the uh, prodigal son. There he is behind the console of an aeroplane and there he is standing by an engine. <laughs> so he's done it. 
The, the funny thing about that story is before he made the decision to become an airline pilot, the only flying he'd ever done, and this is the honest truth, was playing flight controller on Xbox 360. <laughs> so from that, he decided, I'm going to become a pilot, and there he is now doing it. What I loved about his faith in doing that is his willingness to have Jesus at the center of that decision-making process. Jesus was the foundation. Jesus was his landing strip. And this picture here that you can't quite see, because like, the, the excitement that he has at the wheel of the airplane, not the wheel, the, what did you call it? No, we'll call it the wheel. <laughs> Look at the face. He's like, what am I doing here? In charge of this air, this 747 or whatever it is, what am I doing? I can't believe I've made it here. And the only reason he made it here is because he laid his whole thing down and said, God, your way, not my way. You could say that jumping from a profession of a number of years for Matt as an actor to becoming a pilot was massive. It was hard. It wasn't easy. It was hard. It was a narrow path to take because if it had gone wrong, his whole world would have gone to pieces and he'd been massively in debt. Not a lot of people trained to be a pilot. It's a kind of a small road with a few people. Loads of fun involved in it. I know aeroplanes occasionally crash. <laughs> but life and fun. <laughs> Let's be honest about it, shall we? <laughs> That's just my humour, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Jesus was the foundation stone. And in this message, Jesus is giving us landing lights, which says, look, hard or easy, what do you want in life? The hard road or the easy road? Take the hard road with Jesus as the foundation stone. Do you want the narrow gate or the wide gate? Do you want the easy road, the wide road, the wide gate, or do you want the narrow one? He says, go narrow with Jesus as the foundation stone. Do you want to be part of the big crowd that doesn't really care about life, the world, and the universe? Do what you want. Or do you want to be part of the crowd that has Jesus as the foundation stone? Do you want to be someone who knows that destruction is coming your way? Or do you want to be someone who is enjoying life and life to the full and has eternal life with Jesus forever and a day? Jesus is the foundation stone. Do you want to be like the wise builder who built his house on what? The rock. Which was hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. Hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice, or do you be more like the foolish builder who heard the words of Jesus and thought, no thanks very much? Which one do you want to be? And our Living Centered series culminates with this headline user saying, look, it's all built on Jesus, and only Jesus can help us live life like that. But the more we do live life like that, the more we hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice, the more we'll realize that the words of Jesus work. And when the words of Jesus work, our faith rises because we think, oh my goodness, that works and that works and that works and that works and that works. And even though a storm comes, man, the peace of Jesus comes. And life can throw at me what it likes because Jesus is my rock and my sure foundation. So as we close, the question is, how do we know? How do we know whether Jesus is our rock and is our fortress and is our landing strip and is our cornerstone? How do we know? And it's simply this, what are you like? when the storm's hitting? What are you like when the storm's hitting? Are you someone that implodes, collapses, goes down, or are you someone that says, look, life is a mess, my head is in my hands, but God has said, the peace of the Lord be with you, and I receive that peace and carry on going down the hard road. Why don't we stand and I'll pray.
just remember, again, as we close, God's word to us this morning specifically, which is there is peace on offer for you if you feel like you're in a storm right now. If that illustration, prophetically in the meeting before and now on the screen as we close, of having your head in your hands because you know life is weighing you down. If that's you today, Jesus says there is peace on offer for you. He wants to give you peace. He wouldn't make that promise unless he wants to give it to you. So if that's you, you might just want to put your hands out in front of you as a way of saying, I'm open to what you have for me and I'm going to pray for you. And then I'd encourage you to talk to somebody at the end of the meeting. You might want to come forward for prayer. There'll be some people here uh, waiting to pray for you. But be willing to get support in it. For others of us, I want us to be honest about whether we are committed to going Jesus' way, to living-centered. And what are we like when a storm does hit? You might not be in one right now, but you kind of know what you're like when the storm comes. And if we're honest, it demonstrates that Jesus isn't quite as central as we might want him to be. I just want you to be honest about that. And if that's you, just be honest with Jesus and say, that's me. And I'm going to pray for you as well. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your presence with us this morning. I want to pray for people here, Lord God, that feel as though life is weighing them down, head in hands, desperate, lonely, fearful, in tears, quietly thinking, why am I here? hoping that things will change, but nothing ever is. Lord, just draw close to them this morning, I pray. Holy Spirit, do a work of restoration in their hearts and in their minds today. Lord, as their hands are open to you, meet them where they're at, Lord God, I pray. Give them your peace, which surpasses, transcends all understanding. Give it to them, I pray, Lord God. Give it to them, Lord God. I pray they go away encouraged this morning, knowing that they're loved and known by you. That's my heart, Lord God. Pray for that. Holy Spirit, come on these people now. And Lord God, I also pray for, for any of us here, Lord God, that we know that we wobble a little bit when the storms hit and we aren't quite as central on you as, we, as we'd like to think we are. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, provoke us to fall on you, the rock, to land on you, our King, and to build our lives wholeheartedly and thoroughly centered on Jesus. We're here for you, Lord. Come in power, I pray. Amen.